Check one. All right, we are in business. God is the one who owns all things, and He is the one who gives gifts. And one of our, the main jobs that Paul describes in the book of Ephesians is for us to just receive His riches. And one of the ways that uh, the Bible talks about His riches is the fact that it's a spiritual thing. That it's riches that come through Jesus Christ into our lives. It's not necessarily physical riches, though sometimes that's a part of it in someone's life. But most of all, it's a spiritual thing. And so today we are getting to, to one of the most important parts of receiving. And it's about receiving the gift, the gift of God's grace. Let's read about it. Oh, it's in your bulletin too. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches, immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow, what an awesome passage. I'm going to attempt a little bit of media this morning. It might fail, so I want to warn you on the front end. I'm not very good with this kind of thing. A lot of churches... Uh, have someone in the back who can do this, but it's going to be just me this morning. Uh, And I want to show us a video of my favorite gift opening from this past Christmas. It's really awesome, y'all. If it works. Let's see if this works. Okay, source, searching all sources. And we have, yes, okay, sweet, okay. You can see my phone here. Photos, here it is. Got it queued up for us. Okay. This is friends of ours who live in Lexington, Virginia. And this is their daughter. She's about, I think she's either eight or nine years old. And this is Christmas morning. Before, wait, let me get the speaker going because you've got to hear the sound. That's going to be important this morning. Okay, now I'm connected to sound. Okay. Lord, help technology to work for me this morning. We're about, here we go. We're about to find out. Sorry, can you guys hear it okay? That, that, is that amazing? 
I love this one. Oh, there it is. I mean, is that the best, y'all? Sorry the sound wasn't great, but oh my goodness, that is by far my favorite gift opening of the year. She literally cannot breathe because she is so excited about the fact that she got what? A hamster. We have a hamster at our house. I've never gotten that excited about anything in my entire lifetime. But um, I wanted to show that video to just remind us of the um, incredible nature of really good gifts. Right? They can really... Oh, that's nice. Oh. Let's see here. Display settings. Sorry, y'all. We'll get it back up. Yeah, because you want to see the verse, right? And f- from current slide. Boom. Yes, thank you, Lord. So um, Hunter also had a birthday this past weekend uh, where he got some gifts like that girl in the uh, video you just saw. And he was kind of excited about them. Not, his reaction wasn't nearly as great. He got some cash, got an Amazon gift card from one of his friends. But, you know, we got zero tears. It was really rather a disappointment. But, um, but the nature of gifts is that they are given to us just because we're born. Right? Many of you have had a birthday, I'm, I'm assuming, and you remember some of the gifts you received for your birthday. and You didn't get them because you earned them, because you were like the best person ever, because you're not. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Just get it, let's get it out on the front end. But you were given them because you were born. How much did you have to do with your own birth? How much, how much activity were you involved with at your birth? I just showed up. You just showed up. That's about right, yeah. Um, and you know what? We're given those gifts to celebrate our birth. Because that is the nature of a gift. If you earned it, if it's something that you worked really hard for, and at the end of that period of working really hard, you're given something, you're given money or you're given some object, it's then at that point called wages or it's called compensation. It's no longer a gift. It's only a gift if you receive it by doing nothing, by just being, what was it, just showing up, right? That's the nature of a gift. And like I said with Hunter, some gifts are more exciting than others. But y'all, if we get grace, especially as we're going to study it in this passage this morning, our reaction should be, could be, might be 10,000 times more passionate and with more tears than we saw the little girl getting her hamster this morning. My prayer for our church, my prayer for myself is that we would get it so deep into the fiber of our being that when we hear about God's grace, we can't breathe because we're crying so hard. May that be true of us, Lord. Let's look at the nature of this gift from Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to look at it in three ways. It's very basic. We're going to look at pre-gift. This is also in your little insert in your bulletin. Pre-gift. Then we're going to look at the gift, and then we're going to look at post-gift. That's it. Super simple. It's basically because that's how Paul breaks it down in this passage. He says, this is what you were like pre-gift. This is what the gift is. That's verses 4 through 7. And then he says, and here's what life is like after the gift. It's three parts in this passage. So that's how we're going to look at it this morning. But the hard part is the pre-gift. That's the part we don't always like to 
dive into very often. But we're going to this morning. As you were, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So Paul says, to get us started, get us off on the right foot, he says it's death. That's what life is like before the grace of God comes into a person's life. It's death. Now, think about death for just a minute. I know it's not everybody's favorite topic. But a dead body can't do a whole lot. And what you find often when you uh, see a dead body, if you've ever gone to a wake or something of that nature, you realize very quickly that the senses of the person is, are dead. Right? There's no taste. There's no feel. There's no touch. There's no smell. Right? Because they are dead. And that's what Paul is trying to get at in this passage. He's saying there's a numbness to God and there is a numbness to spiritual things when you're dead in sin. You, God is going to be the last thing in your thoughts. Spiritual truth, Jesus Christ, these things are going to be like whoop, a screen going right in front of you that you pay no attention to. Because that's what it's like to be dead in sin. The other thing Paul is talking about is there's no, there's no ability to act here. Now, what I mean by that is we are empowered by God through the Holy Spirit to obey. To obey the Word of God. That's what happens when we believe. And before that, before we believe, pre-gift, when we're dead, we do not have, a dead person does not have the ability to act. They can do nothing to change their situation. Same thing is true for those that are spiritually dead. There is nothing, nothing they can do to change their situation. There's nothing we can do to change the situation. And finally, the other aspect of death, I think that Paul is, has in mind here when he says you were dead in your trespasses, there's disintegration. I mean, we all know this. It's, it's medical science, right? I mean, eventually when a body dies, there is decay and the body begins to break apart, right? And there's this sense in which all things... Because we experience death in so many different ways in this world, all things experience this disintegration. Relationships experience disintegration. We see disintegration as we turn on the news in the morning. Things are just falling apart. That's what Paul's getting at. He's like, there's this spiritual disintegration um, all over. Unless God acts, unless God moves, unless God brings together and unites in Christ, there is a disintegration. So that's the first piece of this. The first piece is death. That's what, it's like. that's, what, that's what it's like for people before the gift of God's grace. Death. Next is a term that I call narco. Okay, this is a Nathan term. I made this up. I admit it. But it's, it's a term that I, I think brings together a lot of the concepts that Paul is talking about pre-gift. Now, narco is my shortened version of this word narcissism. And narcissism comes from this story, ancient story, of narcissists, right? Does anybody know that story or remember it? What's the, what's, help me out, fill me in, fill us in. Anybody? He kept staring at himself, yeah, until he eventually falls in the water, right? It's somebody who's turned in on themselves. And that's exactly what Paul is getting at in his passage. That's why I use the term narco. He says, those who are walking in the course of this world and following the prince of the power of the air... The course of this world. Y'all, that's like we all have a little computer inside of us. Every single person in this room has this. It's like a little 
we'll call it a fo- iPhone, right? Little, it's zipping in your heart all the time. Zzz, it's whirring. And it's analyzing the world around you. It's looking at every situation you're in. And it's looking at every person you encounter, every door that you go through, and it's saying, what's in it for me? That's the question of this computer. We're constantly analyzing our environment. We're constantly analyzing the people around us, even our own family. And we're saying, what's in it for me? What can I get from this person or this situation? You know, we do it when we come to the office. Because we, we know we need to get something. We know we have wants, and we know it's going to be difficult to get. Y'all, this, it's easier to see sometimes in extreme form when you look at politicians. Virginia is going through a lot of um, ugliness right now, obviously, in the political sphere. But there's this sense in which it's all about me. When I read these articles about the people who are leaders in this great commonwealth, it's, a, it's, it's, it's me, 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 me. But y'all, it's not just them. They're just an extreme version. All of us have this same thing whirring in our hearts at all time. What's in it for me? Now next, that's the course of the world. The next thing he talks about in this passage is the following the prince of the power of the air. Now what's going on there? Okay, we know the prince of the power of the air is this character in Scripture called Satan or the devil. And what is the defining characteristic for Satan from Scripture? Pride. Liar also. Accuser, yes. Number one, though, on the list of things that describe Satan or the power, this prince of the power of the air, is pride. Pride. And pride says this. I deserve more. I don't, I don't know what you guys have all gotten in your life, but I've said this myself. I'll, talk, I'll speak for myself, right? I should have gotten more. I, I got a bad shake on things. I should be in a different spot in my life right now. Why? Because I deserve more. Because I'm amazing. And we have this thought on a regular basis, y'all. There's no way that any of us can truly shake it. And one of the other things that this pride leads to in all of our lives, in all of our lives is boasting. Now, Paul doesn't speak to boasting quite yet. So right here, we're doing following the prince of the power of the air. That is pride. But later on, down near the bottom, he's going to say, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. So I want to hit boasting real quick because it ties really well in with pride. But basically, Paul is referring to something that would happen in battle at that time in the Roman armies. All of the the people who were going into battle would get together the night before and they would recount how wonderful their particular side of the battle was going to be. They would get, they would, you know, they would probably be drinking (laughs) and they would get their torches and be like, Tonight, we have the strongest army. And then all the rest of them would cheer. Yeah! And then they would say, We have the greatest king. Yeah! They'd say, We have more people than them. Yeah! We're stronger than them. Yeah! We have bigger shields. Yeah! Bigger swords. Yeah! Okay. Lots of that. But they were doing this to pump themselves up for something really difficult. A.K.A. fighting in battle. And Paul is saying, look, we all do this to some degree in our own lives. Y'all, everybody's got their battles. 
Right? You feel it. You know what I'm talking about. And we all look for things in our own life. It might be our career. It might be our kids. It might be our pedigree. It might be our car, our home, our bank account, whatever it is. We all look to things and we're like, okay, I can face tomorrow if just I get that. Or just I know my career is moving more forward than it's moving now. Right? And so we use those things as our boast. We say, I'm okay because I got this. And then we look in disdain on others who don't have it quite as good as we do, right? And there's pride right with boasting. They go hand in hand. And then you're also moving in a little bit of that computer that's saying what's in it for me. And finally, Paul says here, he says, you're going to combine all of those things and you're going to hurt people. That's what Paul says right here in this passage. He says, we lived and live sometimes in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He's saying, you're not just going to have these attitudes in your heart, this attitude of pride or this attitude of what's in it for me or this attitude of boasting. You're going to act on it because that's the nature of human beings. He's, he's saying, sorry, I've got to turn my page. He's saying at times, you're going to say this in your, in your heart. Give me what I want now. I'm going to take what I want now. I'm going to take a woman's body. I'm going to take from someone who's weaker and slower than me. I'm going to take from the company I work for. I'm going to take another bite. I'm going to take another sip. I'm going to take another toke. I'm going to take another turn. I'm going to take whatever I want. But generally speaking... We're going to do it with a smile because we want people to like us still. And the corporations have now labeled us consumers because we do take. We consume like a herd of animals. We take what's in front of us. We buy. We absorb. Y'all, and all of us know the soul-deadening effect of this. All of us. No one escapes it. It is soul-crushing, which is exactly why Paul describes it as death. He's like, y'all, this is happening all around you. It's happening in the world around you. You read it when you open up your news app in the morning, and it is happening in your own heart. Woe is us. Woe is us. You put together that little computer that says, what's in it for me? Pride. I deserve more. Boasting. I'm amazing, because look what I've accomplished. And, and there's a, a wake of people behind us who've been hurt. We can all name them. This morning. Enter the gift. Okay? It doesn't, our passage doesn't stop there. Hang tight. Enter the gift. God sees us in our misery and pain. And what does He do? But God, let's read it. Let's read it. This is, don't take it from me. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay. God, why why does He do it? Because God looks down and he says, there's some people down there who are cleaner than others. 
you are nicer than most people. You're, you're good looking. I'm going to look down on you. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's not what's happening in this passage. Paul says God in his very nature is loving and merciful. This is who he is. It's what he does. And he looks down and he says, the only thing people deserve, this is Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. It's the only thing we've earned. <laughs> right? Wages? Compensation? How do you get those? You earn them. The only thing we've earned is death. woo But, same passage, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. There is salvation. There is grace. Y'all, this is staggering if you let it sink in. It is absolutely staggering what Paul is saying here. He's saying that God, by the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we talked about that last week, that's in chapter 1 of Ephesians, that exact same power gets into our lives and raises us in the same way, in a spiritual sense, to the very throne of God where we are seated with Christ. Staggering. He's not saying, get your stuff together, improve your life a little bit, you're amoral, you need to be a little more moral, and then, and only then, is my grace going to come to you. That is the opposite of what he's saying here. He's saying, I want you to picture this morning, and I'm talking to y'all, I want you to picture yourself seated with God at his thro- in His throne room inside Jesus Christ as a victor. As a victor. He's saying, I want you to imagine that right now. You have victory already. Already. Not tomorrow, not someday, not when you die. Right now, you have victory. If you are, if through faith, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are looking down on death, you are looking down on sin, and you are saying, you don't have me. You don't have me. I am with Jesus. I am seated next to God, and the victory is already mine. He's saying, that is how I want you to see yourself. And, and, this is the important part. I want you to live in light of that. I want now your life to be post-gift. The gift of God is that he has used his power to raise us in the same way he raised Jesus Christ and give us victory over sin and death. Staggering gift. Staggering. Now, what happens to a person when that gift really gets down into the fibers? Well, don't take my word for it. Let's look at here at Ephesians chapter 2. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. Okay. Paul does not go into depth what those good works are. He doesn't go into depth what the effects of, of the gift of grace are in people's lives. But there's lots of other passages, and so we're going to hit on a couple of those. And we're going to hit on Paul's life also. Here's one of the first effects of post-gift. If you get God's grace, the, this, this, this staggering reality that everything is a gift in your life. Contentment. Contentment. This is how you get contentment. You don't get contentment by being like, 
totally stoic. Like, I'm going to be unflappable, and I'm not going to let anything affect me, and I'm just going to be emotionally flat, and I'm not going to go up or down, and life is just terrible, and I'm just going to ride that terrible wave into the sunset. I'm going to be a cowboy out west. John Wayne, got it. That is exactly, we've tried, you guys have all tried it, I've tried it. You can't do it. You wake up the next morning and you, you're crying. <laughs> because God is saying, contentment doesn't come that way. True contentment in life comes by saying, absolutely, without exception, everything in my life is a gift. Your job's a gift. I know you may not like it. You don't want to go tomorrow, but it's a gift. Everything in your life is a gift. Your breath is a gift. The fact that you're born is a gift. Gift, it's all gift. And when it's all gift, that's when contentment can finally make its way in. And that anger that all of us carry, the anger begins to dissipate. Because where does the anger come from? The anger comes from, I deserve more. I didn't get my fair shake. That person slighted me. No, 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 no. That's not what Paul's saying. It's all gift. It's all the gift of grace. The second thing you find post-gift in a person's life is acceptance. This is a message. Hey, our world can use a little of this, huh? Acceptance of other people. Because if everything is a gift, I can no longer be disdainful to the people around me. I can no longer say, well, I've really got it together in this one area. Look at that person over there. Aren't they such a screw-up? You know, it's, this is that whole boasting idea. We don't go around and be like, oh, I did really well in school. They're kind of an idiot. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hang out with those idiots over there. Or, you know what, I dieted last year and I did awesome at it. You know, and now anybody who's overweight, I'm just going to look down on them. I'm just going to be mean to them. I'm just going to... See, you see how, how the world works? You, without the gift, without everything being a gift, and without the gift of grace... You're going to automatically try to categorize yourself with a certain group of people and look down on a certain other group of people. It is totally natural. And Paul is saying the gift of grace is going to work something supernatural into your life. And for the first time maybe ever, you're going to accept everyone as they are. You don't have to put them down. You can hug anyone. Anyone. Church going, not church going. Big, small, old, young. You, you, can, you can walk into any situation in the entire world and start hugging people. How cool is that? I mean, could our world use a little more of that? Amen? Amen. All right, finally. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. This is a tough one. Um, uh, I, I forgive that dishwasher. <laughs> even though it has wanted to beep the entire time total acceptance here's why I forgive that dishwasher I'm no better and that's what that's what grace says in our lives y'all we can look at other people and say I am capable of the same thing I am capable of beeping and disrupting an entire worship service of God and much worse but think about those, those that have hurt you and harmed you in your life. You have a list. We all have a list, right? And it's the reason we have such trouble forgiving or coming to the point of forgiveness is because we think to ourselves, 
I never would have done that. I, I, I would have been nicer. I would have been kinder. I would have been more loving. But the reality is what, what the Bible is telling us about being dead in sin is you are capable of that and much worse. Now go forgive in the same way that you have been forgiven through Jesus Christ. Y'all, this, do you see it? This is world-changing stuff. If it gets down into the fibers of the being, watch out. Oh, I love Jesus. I love him. Okay, I'm going to end with this. Conclusion. Conclusio. I read an article this week, loved it, about this guy in India who is suing his parents. Do you read about this one? Love it. Why is he suing them? For being born. I seriously, I know you think I'm weird already. You already thought that. Here's further proof. I read that article and I was like, this guy is brilliant. Here's why. I'm like, most people don't even have a a modicum of the bravery this guy has. He is saying, look, if I follow, if I'm honest with my philosophy of life, that is, there is no meaning, I come from primordial sludge, and there is, there is no point to life, there's no point to death, there's no point to anything. It's all just meaninglessness. Why would we choose to bring children to this world? I'm like, thank you. That's, he is being super honest. And y'all, he knows, he even said in the article, he's like, I know this isn't actually going to go through the court system. They're going to reject me immediately. But he's like, I'm making a point to people. Think for a minute is all he's trying to say. Follow your philosophy to its end point. Go for it. If you think that there is no God and there is no meaning, it, please don't be bringing children in this world. But he's saying, sorry, that was not me. That was not Nathan saying that. I was saying that from the article. That was from the article. Remember, accept all others. Dang, I didn't go quite as well as I thought. But y'all, the point is, the point is, it is that philosophy taken to its logical end. So the philosophy of the gift of grace, of God working in someone's life, taken to its logical end is this. And this is our homework assignment for the week. This may be hard for some of us. Thank your parents. Thank your parents. Now I'm talking both physical and spiritual. They may be one and the same. They may not be. Okay? But... Everyone could use to hear a little of that. One of the things you're going to find as we go through the book of Ephesians is Paul is going to say, I want you to go around and be a radical encourager. (laughs) He's like, one of the ways that you're going to know that this gift of grace gospel message has really worked its way into your life is that you're just going to encourage the people around you constantly. You're just going to be like super thankful that these people will put up with you for five seconds. Amen. Go, go, thank, go thank them. The people who either helped you, introduce you to Christ or brought you into this world. And, and that way, we can send the message that's sort of the opposite of the guy in India, right? Who, again, I think is being really honest. But the message we're sending is like, no, there is meaning. There is love. It's not just weird little synapses in our brain. It's a real thing that God has given us. And we're going to love on you even when we don't feel like it. Let's pray. Lord God, um, I know I have flubbed 
really getting at your grace and how amazing it is and how wonderful it is and how life-changing it is, Lord. But I pray that you would just cut through that. And this morning, for someone in here who has not recently heard about your grace, I pray that it would be just super-duper encouraging. Lord, that the only job we have is to receive from you this gift to believe and to receive, Lord. And I pray that there would be no one in here who rejects this gift. Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would open all of our hearts to receive it freshly this morning. Yes, Lord, it's something we receive at one time in our life, Lord, but we need it daily. We need it hourly. We need to be reminded that it is all of grace and that it is all gift. Lord, may our joy be full. May Jesus Christ, you be the very center of our lives. Thank you for the book of Ephesians, for speaking through your prophet, the Apostle Paul. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now, I think the kiddos are up. They're already back in. Boom, that was easy. So now we get to have a time this morning where we see a physical picture of all of these spiritual realities that I've been talking about. Honestly, y'all, this is more effective than any of the words that I used this morning because it was Jesus' own idea. And he said, I want you to take this meal and I want you to physically celebrate it with one another because this is a picture of my grace. This is it. Y'all, this meal is meant to, to be before us a gift. A gift. Not... Were you good enough this week? Did you clean your life up enough? Did you do all the moral things that you wanted to do? <laughs> now, if that's the case, you can come to this meal. That is not at all what Jesus said. He said, this meal is a picture of the gift of grace. And your only job is by faith to receive it as the body and blood of Jesus Christ. If you feel like you cannot receive it with that faith, that's okay. Acceptance. Hello. Gospel. Message. That's totally okay. Spend some time in prayer. But if you can receive this meal, it is a freebie for all who would place their faith in Christ. When he was in the upper room, he said, look, y'all, to the disciples. And he used, he used y'all. Guaranteed. <laughs> he said, look, y'all, this is my body, which is broken for you, and I want you to eat this meal for all time, throughout the centuries, in remembrance of me and the fact that I took your place. He is the one who took all of that death and all that punishment, all that nastiness for us, so that we could get his eternal life as a gift of grace. Eat now in remembrance. What we do is we pluck off a little piece of the bread and then at the end we'll, we'll take it together so that we can share the meal with one another.